1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Hello, Dad. Hello, Grace. So, talk to me. We are in lockdown together, sort of, (laughs) half-heartedly. Yeah. How are you finding it?
1: Well, I've been six weeks now because, if you remember, I went to sport relief and I was meant to be fighting Piers Morgan, but he didn't turn up. And I, I felt very uneasy the whole time I was there. So when I came back, even though the government was saying everything's fine, I thought this is What, And really...
0: you felt you had symptoms? No,
1: I just thought this is, gonna, this is going all wrong. This is going to be really bad. And as you know, I'm very friendly with other leaders in different parts of the world. And Eddie Rama, in particular in Albania, he was saying to me, this is going to be really, really bad. And you need to watch out because of your asthma, your depression and all that. And I'd already been moving to that. For example, Burnley were meant to play Man City and I'd actually... I'd actually decided this is quite a big thing for me. I was probably not going to go. And
0: then didn't they cancel the then game? it was
1: cancelled. Yeah. So then I came back, and so I've I've actually not been out apart from here, in the house, and mainly up here in my office.
0: Going out isn't
1: here. Yeah. Right. And then going on the heath every morning with Mum, and that's that's it.
0: That's it. haven't been to a
1: shop. Not really, because I. But I mean, no, I haven't. I've been, you know, I might have popped in to buy this and that, but very little. And unlikely. Um, Pretty unlikely. And how have I found it? I mean, okay, the first three weeks, I just actually made a list of all the different things that I've written in the six weeks. I mean, it's incredible. I was definitely manic in the first few weeks. I was waking at four, half three, four o'clock, getting up, writing loads. I finished a novel. I started another book. I've written about 50 different columns for different places. That's definitely manic. And then I had a really bad... I had about four days in and I was a bit... A bit grouchy. And then I've been fine. I feel quite an even keel. I get very, very, very pissed off watching the government doing what they're doing, watching the media as well. Those briefings are absolutely doing my head in. But I feel I've got to watch them.
0: I actually don't now. I know you don't. Unless it's going to be something really interesting. I watched like a round-up of the whole week today in news mm. on the BBC. Mm. But I've, I'll get a notification if it's something that's seriously important. I find it so dementing watching mm. them just skirt around answering actual questions um
1: you know you know they've gone over 20,000 now. I was just thinking today
0: but that's not including care homes no
1: exactly 20,000 in in hospitals and I was thinking right yet another day tomorrow when we were due at Liverpool Burnley were due at Liverpool and it's off obviously but I was thinking today if you took every person who died in hospital that is now the capacity of Turf Moor Stadium that's a lot of people
0: that's a really dark thought. I know, you know, but you know,
1: I have dark thoughts. You know that.
0: Yeah. Well, we all do. Mm. I've got very, i got very dark thoughts, but I've also got very happy, love. You've been thoughts. very, you've been very up most of the time. I'm actually really fine. Yeah, you've been quite buzzing. Well, I'm fine. Like, obviously, I've I've experienced great loss in terms of work. I mm. won't be able to do a gig for at least a year. Mm. I had, all, you know, I was halfway through my tour. I was meant to be doing lots of cool festivals this summer, mm. but that's all relative compared to other people. But I'm, I'm feeling very positive about how how adaptable I've been, actually. It's it's really reassuring to know that I can adapt and I didn't only have one thing that I can do and I've found other things to do and I've found other avenues mm. for money. And... It must be
1: nice to know the fridge is there as well.
0: The fridge is lovely, but yeah. actually my fridge, so I'll just explain for... <laughs> so, yeah. I have a fridge, I live next door to my parents because I'm tragically obsessed with them and... <laughs> have been uh, basically their stalker ever mm. since I met them, which is twenty, nearly twenty. years we are years they
1: ago. should understand we're one household and that you don't actually have to go out to come in.
0: No, exactly. I'm because, not going out. So yeah. we are technically quarantining together, yeah. but I have the granny flat. It was bought for the granny. The granny didn't want it. <laughs> Instead, the baby got it. Spoiled brat.
1: Yeah, so you're around the whole time. You're in every morning, you're in afternoon, you're in every evening. Um, but I've been impressed, actually. I've been impressed by... All three of you, the but what boys about, as well, I think, so, you've, I think you've dealt with it really well. So let's
0: talk about, quickly, we'll talk about other stuff, but the impact that this period of lockdown and isolation will have on relationships and on people who are mm. quarantining together, because I keep doing stuff on my Instagram where I say, tell me what's happening with your love life, and so many people are saying, I want to break up with my boyfriend, I'm quarantining with my boyfriend, I want to break up with him, mm. like, this is this whole period is driving me mad. Domestic, violent rates rates th- have gone up. Th-
1: three, 300%.
0: How's it been with you and mum?
1: Really good, actually. We haven't had a single big row. Not one. Not really. I mean, we've had a few niggles. And... But no, nothing. Not a big row at all. Um...
0: Maybe that's because you don't have other people. Like, I sometimes think with you two, it's like other people. I think with everyone, actually, other people can trigger stressful situations mm. that cause arguments when mm. it is just you two and you have enough space to kind of not be on top of each other. Well,
1: occasionally we are.
0: Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> Are you kidding?
1: <laughs> you know, let's say you were born, Grace. I mean, oh, let's not, have
0: you been having sex? That's disgusting. Pretend that, you know. Oh, you've only had sex three times <laughs> in your whole life. It's disgusting. No, it?
1: we've been on really well. Um, <laughs> That's
0: horrible. Oh,
1: she's blushing. My daughter is blushing. The other thing I've got to say, the dog is so happy.
0: I know she really is. I'm
1: really worried about her when we get back to normal and I start mm. going to RAW and stuff. I mean, because she just loves being with us all the time.
0: But so many dogs are going to be really shocked. I keep thinking it, it's worse for people who are getting puppies now because those puppies are going to get completely used to never being alone. Yeah. And then the, they'll be like a year old, and then suddenly people are going out all the time. They're mm. going to be really, really confused by it.
1: But you know what you said about the thing about people wanting to break up. I think like Mum and I get on right and you know it's sort of fine having you around up to a point the um but what i really when you think about families that don't get on couples that don't get on kids that don't get on it must be horrific and i think the other thing i worry about which i think you know is, is people who are living on their own young people living on their own how are they going to get together with people
0: well that's what's really interesting so lots of people on my instagram have been sending messages about that and you know, they're on dating apps, but obviously it's slightly tedious because you're never actually going to be able to meet up with someone anytime soon unless you're going to break the law, which I don't think is very sexy, to be honest. Like, right now... Yeah, edgy. It's not actually, because, like, breaking the law in other ways, like doing drugs, like minimal crimes, that's quite sexy. But, like, <clears throat> risking it to potentially kill hundreds of people, I don't think that's hot. No. So I think people aren't really taking that risk. But also you've just got to wait. I mean... I do think young people will be the first to be unleashed out. out into the world. And I really do think there'll be a lot of STDs going around. Really? A lot of People are just going to be completely on it. You know, we've all been locked up. People who are on their own haven't had physical interactions with people. Mm. As soon as we get out, it's going to be like animals. Mm.
1: I'm missing the... I do miss sort of physical contact of, of a low-level sort of nature. Just sort of shaking hands, hugging people. Yeah. I think well, I did a thing for the new European about 20 things I missed in the lockdown, and one of them was la bise.
0: La bise. <laughs> Wait, Excuse me, you're quarantining with your partner? What are you on about? Yeah,
1: but, that, but I'm saying, you know, just with strangers. You know You what like I mean? kissing strangers. I like kissing. I like doing that one, two, three. You like thing, going yeah. up
0: to strangers and kissing them.
1: Strangers. You're a like, super spreader. I will piss off. I
0: like,
1: I like, if you meet, you know, if you're in France, like, you know, when we're in France, uh, you know, like in Paris, it's two, and in Provence, it's three. I like that. C'est
0: toi, oui. Mm, mm, mm. I like it as well because it's like, so, in this country, men are really afraid of doing stuff. Like, straight men are really kind of afraid of things that are a bit more feminine. And I just love it in France because that, as an English person, we're sort of conditioned to think that that's super feminine, going, wah wah mm. And in France, they just, like, rock it.
1: Yeah, I don't do it with men, though.
0: Do you not? Very well, right. then you're not a real... You're not, not embracing the culture properly. You're actually a bit of a Francophobe. Do I do it with Zizi? Uh, Zizi no. does it with you. This is Little my dad's does, yeah. best friend so,
1: the other. So, what, there, there you are. The La was number 20 on my list. What do you think number one was? Burnley. Correct. What do you think number two was? Swimming. The Lido. The yeah.
0: Lido, yeah. You're doing well, yeah. Cold water swimming.
1: Um... I miss music, I miss the cinema. Like, you know, Skipinners were due to play down here, the the band that plays on our. I miss,
0: I definitely miss live events and like live interactions with people. Of course, live sport. We'll come on to that. I really miss comedy clubs. Yeah. Really, really miss that.
1: I said I missed France and Albania. They're the two countries that I miss going to. I don't miss flying at all, but I do miss going places. I was meant to go to the Ivory Coast, which I've never been to, (gasps) I was meant to go to Nashville.
0: Oh, my God, what?
1: For a conference, yeah. I was so excited oh about that. Oh, my God, I really want go to go And Nashville. I was actually, you know how normally I just go and I come back, I was going to take time to go and do all the country music stuff.
0: Oh, that's epic. You could have done all I I, the Johnny Cash. Anyway, the
1: organisers, they, they they got in touch and said, that we're really sorry we're having to cancel it because of the coronavirus, but we'd really like you to come next year when we... When we and I said, I oh, thank God for that, because I'm so excited about going to Nashville. She said, unfortunately, it's in North Carolina. <laughs>
0: So that's oh, a bit of a fuck. bummer. That's su- that's really upsetting. Yeah. That is really upsetting.
1: But I, but I've missed so I've missed lots of things. But also I've found other things that I like. So, as you know, I've become obsessed with trees. That was starting anyway, but it's definitely developed. I think the bird song. A lot of people talked about that, but I love going up with mum and I've now got this bird song yeah, recognition. Yeah, you really
0: graduated into old age. Called
1: um, uh, Smart Bird ID.
0: Sponsored. This podcast, yeah, Monday, yeah, yeah one get day. in touch with us, and get if you touch.
1: RSPB, we can do yours. If yeah, you think that's better.
0: big deal, big deal. But what um, you do
1: is you point at a tree, and then it takes about five seconds, and it tells you what bird it is. It's like
0: Shazam. It's you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like, Shazam, it's like yeah. Shazam for birds. I don't have Shazam, but yeah. it, that's exactly what Shazam that's is. How they should market you, it. You literally do that.
0: I mean, I th- I wish we had Shazam for everything. They have a Shazam for plants now. You can take you can take a picture of a plant, it tells you what plant is. Wow. Um, Talking music, what
1: the other big thing. As you know, I'm now a number one artist. Yeah,
0: I mean, this, this whole thing is just becoming a bit of a brag.
1: Well, I don't care. I'm a number one artist. That's a big thing.
0: You are. Congratulations. Right, well, why aren't you pleased about that? Do you know, do you know who that? was so proud of it? It was Richard Curtis. Was he? He thought it was the coolest thing.
1: Yeah, well, I was so proud of it. He
0: was so proud of it. Well, you, I you
1: were part of that. You I filmed. was part of it.
0: I filmed you. So I just, you know, as someone who, who knows behind the scenes of how that all goes, I'm super, super proud of the well, hard work that you put it? into so making it, that song.
1: So that people haven't heard about it they can download it and carry on tell all the information Skerivore, fantastic scottish trad rock band uh, martin gillespie terrific musician uh he had he wrote a song called everyday heroes about nurses and their health workers um and he got 20 professional musicians plus me uh on the pipes flute guitar fiddle violin drums keyboard all recorded in our own place, mixed it up, and it's a fantastic sound. Brilliant. All the money goes to the NHS trust. And it got to number one.
0: It's still number one in Scotland. Love that. So let's talk about what we, what, what we don't miss, because I have been really... Like so happy. I think I love wearing the mask outside because, especially in this area, I know so many people in this area, and I just love having an excuse not to stop and talk to people.
1: I'm oh, like that with dinner parties. No exactly, no interactions with people you, don't want, with people with. you don't want to interact with. Brilliant.
0: And then I've also made sort of connections with people that I haven't been seeing as much of via like Zoom and social media because we have more time to really focus on the relationships we care about but it's been so nice not having to bump into people and sort of make small talk I i haven't made small talk for so
1: long well the only the only thing i find on the heath i'm getting really sick of so we walk there every morning for about an hour and a half i'm getting really sick of these things if one more person says to me stay safe i'm gonna lose it i'm getting really sick of people saying we're so lucky to have the Heath. I know we are. Just let's walk on it and not need that feel we have to talk. But then, and can I, I
0: just counter that? What? We were talking the other day about the importance of like gratitude lists and, yeah. and sort of reaffirming what you're grateful for. So for people to say, we are very lucky to have the Heath.
1: I agree, but I don't want to be stopping to have the same conversations. <laughs> and the other thing that people are doing is stopping you to tell you about all the people in their orbit, none of whom you know, people they work with, second cousin three times removed, who may or may not have symptoms.
0: No, that's so boring. So,
1: and it's, and it's like, coronavirus has definitely replaced Brexit as the thing that everybody wants to stop me and talk to, talk about. So, I just like walking, watching my trees, listening to my birds. But
0: you need to just wear a mask. Why don't you just wear a mask? Because then no one will stop you. They won't know it's you. Hmm. The best thing about the mask, I was just in M&S... You can talk to yourself and no one knows that you're talking to yourself. No one can see your mouth. I was literally talking about what juice I'm going to buy. You're going to wear talk, juice? <laughs> talking about what juice I'm going to buy out loud, like really loudly. Why? No, because I love talking to myself. It's one of my favourite things in the world because I'm so much more interesting than anyone that I'm ever around. Mm. But no one can see, Dad. That's like your dream because you also are mad. Love talking to yourself. <laughs> So you should get a mask. Okay. So what have we been watching? We watched a film together this week, didn't we? Have you seen Military Wives yet? No, I need to watch that. That's really
1: good. Yeah, we watched Misbehaviour.
0: Misbehaviour. So, directed by Philippa Lothor, mm-hmm. written by Rebecca Frayne and Gabby Chiapi, I think that's how you say her name, Um, and Rebecca Frayne is, is my friend's mum, and it was... I mean, I didn't really know that much about... I knew it was going to be about feminism, so obviously love, but I didn't really know that much about the setup of Miss World and how Mm. it all happened. The only thing I really knew about Miss World before watching that film was that Damien Marley's mum, who had a baby with Bob Marley, was Miss World. That's right. When we were in Jamaica for
1: the Grace Gould's wedding, do you remember there was huge pictures of her at the airport? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, Miss World is really interesting and, and... I thought, I've actually, I've been, this morning I've been writing a piece about this, because I think it's, I actually think it's much, much more than a kind of, what do you call it, rom, what do they call them?
0: Rom-com, rom-com chick flick, yeah. yeah.
1: Because I think it's quite serious about, you know, and you as a sort of, you know, feminist feminist campaigner, I think it's really, really interesting. I covered Miss World in the 80s for one year for the Daily Mirror. Slightly embarrassed.
0: To... So we've actually, should we start with this? We've actually found my dad's clippings, right? Do you want to get out? We call, we call of,
1: them cuttings.
0: Whatever. Cuttings. Yeah. Clippings are
1: what you do with your toenails.
0: Right. So so what for those who are of my generation, I'm just going to explain this as someone who has had to be educated by my father. So journalists back in the day, they had to obviously write in for print. They would get big news stories. And it was a huge deal if you got a sort of breaking news story. Then to save all of their work, because it wouldn't be saved on the internet, they would get all of their cuttings, yeah. right? and put them into scrapbooks. Yeah. So it's really a cute, actually very idea, cute idea. It's a sort of bit like what kids do. So my dad's got all of his old cuttings and he reported heavily on Miss World. And was, that, was it always in London, Miss World?
1: Uh, I think so. The one I did was at the Albert Hall in 1983. And um, it was, so I had to spend 12 days with 72, you know, quite attractive young women.
0: Just say it, go on. Uh, <laughs>
1: And But honestly, when I, I, I'm, I'm really embarrassed to show you this stuff now.
0: I it's want to read out some of the
1: Well, It's so bad. I mean, on the day of the contest, right, this is how big it was. It was a huge event every year. So this is the centre spread of the Daily Mirror. And it's like the bloody Grand National sweep state list. Virgin Islands, Aruba, Australia, Austria, Bahamas, Barbados. You've got 72 countries down there. Now, this is the turn away, right? I've picked my best five. So I spent two weeks oh, with these girls. Fucking hell! So this one, Miss Paraguay, I really fancied her, Grace, and I've got to tell you, it was mutual. It really, you know, it was hot. There was a lot going on. Were there. you with my mum at this? Point? I was with your mum, but I was doing a job. I was doing it. I was doing it you, for had the pay really had get, you had to really go undercover. You had to had really get, warm I to them get up close, to you, right? So this is what I said. <laughs> it's so bad, <laughs> Miss Paraguay. If there were a separate title for Miss Sexy, it would go to Flirty Antonelli Montuori, age twenty-one. She's the cream of the South American beauties. Her constant flashing smile, her sexy laugh, and bubbling personality give her an edge over all the others. <laughs> Gets worse. Statistics
0: 34, 23, 34. Oh <laughs> my god. Oh <laughs> but, my god. And also, by the way, for those who know that for a brief period my dad wrote porn and I think you get a bit of the a bit of the so, uh, tone of it there.
1: Miss <laughs> France, twenty year old Frederick LeRoy from Bordeaux has attracted heavy betting. It was a huge betting market. Brown-haired, brown-eyed, she's been charming all week with a typically French, cute, sexy smile. She also speaks three languages, including English, which will go down very well during the interview. Statistics, 34, 22, 34.
0: Right, I'm just... Firstly, so 32... Bad. Boobs. Boobs, yeah. Right. You know the bit of the film when they were doing yeah, the tape measure. Uh, the statist- That is a statistic. Yeah. that is a statistic. They're called. That they were called vital
1: statistics. They waist, uh, breast, waist, hips.
0: So I'm just going to read one of these as well because I just want my dad to hear how it sounds coming from his now 25 year old daughter. Right, Miss Spain. If the other girls had their way, 21 year old Milagros Castro would be the winner. The contestants, not known for their warmth to rivals, have taken to her friendly manner. She's become something of a mother confessor to some of them. She's a model and looks great in a swimsuit. Statistics 34, 23, 35 <laughs> It's so bad. But the end down here right? But also so, so you probably did you properly hang out with them to two find weeks. out all of this stuff. Yeah. But what were you doing? What were you, like what do you mean you were with them for two weeks? Were you well, staying we... in the hotel with them? Uh, you...
1: no, I stayed for the final I think. No, no, it's coming home right now, but like every day would they you would... come
0: back to Mum and be like fucking Alfie, oh, you know. Miss Paragraph. She saw.
1: Like she's so, <laughs> she's uh, They were the funny they, they had to do stuff every day and some of them a bit like in the film, you know, like Miss Sweden got really sulky. Some of them got really pissed off. So there's this the like, this story here, where is it? Rained off, Why a Miss World So that's page one. Page one, Miss Norway, Karen Doblug, sits it out and she's looking really pissed off.
0: This is this is on page one. This is
1: page one. Of the whole of page three Picture of them all in fake rain with umbrellas. Look at the crowds of photographers, right? And they're, they're all doing a sing and, song and dance thing, right? And the story is they must think we're drips because they were given these IQ tests, right? You, Even you can get this one. Question six. What is six plus seven?
0: Why did you say even I could get that? Like I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> that was stupid. a joke.
1: <laughs> Question three times eight equals 12 times what? Two. Yeah. Um, so... And then, but this is, this is, some of these quotes are absolutely brilliant. So the Miss Austria and Miss, I think it was Miss Germany, Claudia Zielinski. They, so you get close to them. Then you've got, when you get a story like this, you've got them to go and say, what do you think of this? And you've got a quote and blah, blah, blah. So they started saying, this is only happening. They're making us do these stupid tests because one of the sponsors is a new computer company. So they pretend it's all about maths, right? So they're telling me that and I, and then at the, the end of this story, a Miss World spokesman defended the idea. He said, the girls are not going to lose just because these tests show that they're thick.
0: <laughs> right, look, like, I, I want to... So where is this one? OK, so I'm taking the lead on this one because this is just the most phenomenal thing. And I woke up thinking about the fact that this was a story that hard-hitting journalist, spin doctor, Malcolm Tucker, Alice Campbell once was one of the most powerful people in the country, still has a lot of Probably power. World, also has, has basically destigmatised being in love with trees. Um, you're really a pioneer in everything that you do. <laughs> but on Tuesday, November 15th, 1983, you wrote a story. Was this a breaking story? About, I, broke, I broke it. About Miss Yugoslavia as viewers won't see her on TV, OK? Yeah. It, it is a picture of Miss Yugoslavia... With a sort of scarf covering her chest. You can't really see her her boobs or anything. You can see them a bit. You can't. You can see side boob. You can't see front boob. Alistair has written, skimpy black see-through outfits fail to fit the televised event's super respectable image. I mean, come the fuck on. Super respectful image. But Bernarda, Miss Yugoslavia, has been photographed in a variety of sexy poses, including topless shots. The picture on the left is one of a series in a Yugoslavian magazine. And it was basically an uproar.
1: See, the research we did to get that magazine. But there was an
0: uproar that she posed well, it's a beautiful. I mean, she it looks like nice, Diana. I
1: agree. You haven't even seen her. She's see, gorgeous. Leg pull that
0: down. Oh, wow. I mean, look, it's amazing. She's wearing like a sort of amazing swimming costume kind of thing. She is not topless, okay? Compared to what we got today. <laughs> no, but the funniest thing. But is, look, let's just quickly.
1: No, you want to go into the next story. Okay, the, the, OK, What happened I can't was,
0: believe you called it a respectable <laughs> there was a competition. Big, there was
1: a big outro- uproar. And then, so t- the next day, page seven, topless pinup faces Miss, Miss World Row. Julia Morley, who ran the whole thing with her husband, Eric. She's
0: in misbehaviour.
1: Yeah, well, she says that this she blames this guy called David Husich, who runs the Miss Yugoslavia contest, and says that he's, he's brought the contest, the Miss World, into disrepute because he didn't tell them she'd done topless pictures. <laughs> Mr Husic. you see, I'm such a journalist, Grace. I find this guy in Belgrade. I get him. I get him on the phone. So what's going on, Mr Husich? Quote, I cannot see what all the fuss is about. In our country, it's perfectly normal for people to, for people to walk around topless. It's very hot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest... It's bad. But OK, let's just let's talk about... Like, let's stop doing the readings now, but let's yeah. talk about bigger picture. When you were doing that, mm. when you were reporting that stuff... Now, obviously, as you wanted to tell me today and you wanted to tell me yesterday, you were also simultaneously doing some hard-hitting journalism, right? Mm. You covered lots of big things. The IRA, you know, mm. huge stuff that was happening at the time, huge stories. When you were doing all of this Miss Wild stuff, was there a part of you that was just like, this is absolutely brilliant because I just get to talk to beautiful women for two weeks and just like write sort of borderline Rubbish. porn about what they look like and how lovely they Sexy are? Sexy, smiles. But, or, but was there, in that period in your life, did you think there's something really fucking weird about this? Be honest. I, I, been,
1: I can't honestly remember. I think I must have done, but I think it was... No, I, to be honest, I think I probably saw it as a bit of a laugh. And I was working with Brendan Monks, who was a photographer, a really good guy. And he was somebody else who just, he was a, he's a clever, smart guy, intelligent, understands the world. But I think we just, you know, we had a lot of fun. Um, and the thing that happens, you, this comes out in the film, actually, because in the Kira Knightley film, should we tell the story or?
0: Well, tell the premise. So what's in the trailer of the film is basically, it's about a group of women's liberation protect, activists. activists. Uh, and they essentially sort of, Throw down. Well, they the, disrupt the final yeah. in
1: 1970. But I think what happened in the real, as it were, is they threw flower bombs. But in the film, they've made it a bit more dramatic than that. But what's it? You know, but the, the, the they're real characters, and I, what I love about the film is at the end when you see Kira Knightley becoming the person she's and, and played. And they're
0: still still of, there, yeah. and you know,
1: obviously quite elderly now. But what I thought was, um, you no, know, so I definitely thought at the time. I mean what it must be impossible for you to understand this but what the women's liberation people the way they were portrayed in the media was as complete cranks um so if you remember in the film the the person played by jesse buckley joe robinson she part of her shtick and why she doesn't get on with Kira knightley's character a lot of times she thinks she should have nothing to do with the media because the media is a big part of the patriarchy well, it probably was, and to some extent still is. So I think something like that. I'm a young reporter. I get told in this very kind of blokey, fleet-streety, hard-drinking-y, smoking-y environment, uh, Campbell, you struck lucky. You're going to be on Miss World this year. I probably did just think, oh, that's going to be fun. To yeah. be absolutely frank.
0: I mean, I don't think... But there's no reason to be hard on yourself for that, because that was... That era of time. And I completely, what I think they really nailed in the film was the perception that like not feminist type people had of those women's lib people. Oh yeah, for sure. Which was just that they were kind of boring, hideous. You know, they had this real, and it's a stereotype that still lives with yeah. feminists to a lot of people today, which is just that they're like moaning and whining on mm. and all of that stuff. And that what I thought the film just nailed so much is, is they weren't like that. I mean, Jesse Buckley's character was hilarious mm. and I thought they were all so sort of vibrant and full of life. But I'm sure at that time, you probably thought the same oh, yeah. of the women's lives. Well, I movement. thought...
1: Um, well, certainly my mum would have done. Um...
0: What she would have sort of thought? I think she would have thought because it's yeah. interesting in the film that Keira Knightley's mum's character has got a bit of a kind of why are you doing this? Yeah, she exactly. loved Miss World. The Keira Knightley's character's mum so, loved Miss and World, and
1: so do the kids. So, so you know, so like, and I, I, we definitely used to watch Miss World. Like it was, it was a big television event, and you always wanted the UK to win. And of course, in the year I did it, having she written did. in the, on the morning, she had absolutely no chance because she had no personality.
0: <gasps> <laughs> I know. Oh she won. But you were biased because you wanted Miss Paraguay. I wanted Miss
1: Paraguay, yeah. None of the people that any of us, me and Brendan tipped, got on the top three.
0: Well, what does that say? Mm. Bad taste. <clears> I'm not so, checking.
1: no, so I, th- I think it was, um, what I thought the film got, what I loved about the film is that actually it says something about campaigning. So those people, you and I would not know their names, but they were a big part of the movement that you're now part of.
0: 100% and I also think when you come back to that sort of difference in like Kira Knightley's character is a bit more well she's middle class but also I mean I'm not saying this is, comes from her being middle class but she was more like media savvy and thought that they should use the media but to she get their message that, across. Yeah. yeah but I still think that there, there's elements of that in the Labour Party now where you've got people in the further left parts of the Labour Party who think that you shouldn't play with like parts of mainstream media, which will really help you to get your point across because they're so. Mm.
1: No, but I thought the, the thing I loved about it was the bit in the film where the two of them, very different backgrounds, very different attitudes to lots of things, but they've got this shared view that women are, you know, systemically made inferior to men. And that this objectification process, which is what Miss World is, is a part of that. And there's a bit in the film where they basically say to each other, Almost like they're having a row, but they basically say we've got to do this together no matter how much we disagree, because you only make change happen if you decide you're going to make it happen. And that is true about all campaigning. So that's why I love the film. I loved it because I thought it was, um, I mean, obviously lots of very attractive women in it. No, that's not the reason. I loved it because it was about campaigning. And also I think it was extraordinary to watch it with you and mum. Mum and I were together at that time and probably thought no big deal, right? Miss yeah. World, no big deal. You I'm sure one.
0: mum didn't. She
1: might have done. But you were watching it and saying, oh my, you know, like when Bob Hope was doing all those sort of, that's how big it was. Bob Hope was one of the biggest stars in the world and he was the competitor. Oh,
0: I, I do. I think it was really big because coming back to my main reference of it, when Bob Marley got with Miss mm. World, it was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was also like a white Jamaican, mm. which there were lots of well, that's the only controversy thing around it. Is,
1: and this is a true story. They were two, they had the first two two and second. from from South Africa because of the, the whole kind of apartheid Yeah, but
0: also first and second place yeah. in that one, they were both black.
1: And Peter Hayne, who went on to be a friend and, and uh, a minister in the Labour government, he was in the film because he was a massive anti-apartheid campaigner. Who, so who was he? Peter Hayne, he, he was the one who um, got onto Eric Morley as he arrived into the building. He was only one for one scene. In the, when he was, you know, he was a South African guy. He was, oh, him. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, that bit when he said, why yeah. haven't you got, oh, that's so interesting. Um
1: so I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was a really good film. And of course it's interesting you talk about, you know, how you're adapting. The film industry's had to adapt. That was gonna be in cinemas. Yeah. And we watched it video on demand.
0: But I think as well, like in a way, like you're saying, they're having to adapt. And I, I hope they'll realise realise, because actually that will reach a lot of people. They might not make as much money, but actually it's on Apple TV. People are still yeah. buying money to watch that film. And it, it's just amazing to bring out some of those films right now because people really need that kind of uplifting, inspiring type of...
1: Did you see the, 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 the story that just before Oh, this my sport? God. Yeah, you showed me this one. This is unbelievable, right? So this was in... Um, I used to do court cases and stuff as well. This is a front-page lead. Daily Mirror, That's Friday, November the 4th. it was 16p. Killed for turning off the telly. Soccer man Stanley Dingley killed his girlfriend because she she switched off the cup final on TV. I
0: know this was a fact. That
1: was a fact, it was a court case.
0: That's what happened, because it sounds like a joke. No, he stabbed her seven times
1: in the neck, then calmly left her body lying in a flat and watched the rest of the match at a club. When he was arrested, Dingley told the police, I was provoked, you know what it's like.
0: You know what it's like.
1: I really wanted to watch that match, what with her nagging and turning off the television, it got me upset.
0: Well, that, this is just a really brilliant man that we've got right here. What he d- an inspiration. He denied
1: murder but admitted manslaughter at Nottingham Crown Court.
0: The man. thing is, so let's talk about this. Right, let's talk about men and the fact that men don't have football right now.
1: It was the FA Cup replay between Manchester United and Brighton. It was a replay. It was a replay. It
0: wasn't a live match.
1: No, it was a replay, as in... Do you know a replay is in football? Not
0: really. Replay to me means a repeat. No. Like, it's the same game that's already happened. It's just playing the next week.
1: No. Manchester United... Played Brighton and they drew.
0: So then they did another game. So they had
1: another game. And who did he support, Mr Murderer? I don't know. He lived in Nottingham.
0: You don't know? You didn't go that far? Well, I I was covering a court case. You just
1: report what gets said.
0: You need to know who... I need to know who you're supporting.
1: Then, then, of course, I got pulled off that to go to Miss World. So I haven't got the verdict. I haven't got how how much he got. But anyway, he would have gone down for a a while, I think.
0: He's probably out now. But that's interesting, isn't it? Because that's another,
1: basically... That's a man, woman, domestic violence. Well, that's what I was going
0: to say. So, how do you think men? And you know, there are lots of women who do are obsessed with football. But I think yeah. you b- struggle to find a woman who's murdered her husband for turning the football off while she's watching it.
1: Well, did you, can I just tell you something? I read yesterday, the day before, that the, major, the of the increase that has been of domestic violence, quite a lot of it has been women on men.
0: But that 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 hundred percent. But still, it's way more men on women. It's just the numbers gone up, and with that, there are
1: women. I
0: mean, I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah,
0: women can. I've got to be honest. I
1: am, I am really, really, really missing football, and I'm really worried it's not going to come back a long time, and it's definitely not going to come back as a major spectator sport with big live events. No. And as you know, I probably spend more time speaking to football people than any other walk of life. Maybe politics. No, I think football actually ahead of politics.
0: Yeah, well, right now you're very connected with the Burnley squad. Is that because it makes you feel like football is still happening? No,
1: I think it's because they basically see me as the, as the sort of co-gaffer.
0: Mm, I'm, I'm really not sure about that, no. but I'll, I'll let them know that you think that and I'll find out, I'll do a survey. They know, um, they know I think that. <laughs> so, but how do you think that men across the country will be coping in terms of, like, football gives such a structure to life? It structures the week, it structures the day, Mm. you know, everyone sort of works towards watching match of the day. Um, What what can you do to replace that? Obviously, you're finding it really difficult, but I think there are people who have less, you know, you know, about 30 things that make you happy. So, you'll do that when you're feeling down. But for some people, football mm. is their main lifeline. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that makes them feel sane. What can they be doing instead? Well, I mean, look,
1: I, I've not. One thing I've not done, I, I started a little bit at the start. I watched a couple of old games. Uh, I watched Celtic into Milan in the 1967 European Cup final. I watched a couple of old Scotland games. I watched uh, Burnley winning the playoffs against Stockport County in the 90 90- year you were born. Bob's. Your granddad's last ever game, wow. um, but it's just it's so not the same. I would rather watch a boring nil-nil live game than watch a rerun of a game that was really exciting at the time. And so I've actually just decided no point in doing that. Um, and I'm I'm really really lucky because I do have lots of you know friends in football. I do talk to the manager quite a lot. I do talk to some of the players quite a lot. I do have you know people who are in that sports world. And of course, you know, at the moment, talking to Sean Dyche quite a lot and he, you know, he, he's talking lots to me about, you know, what do you think is going on inside government? What are they doing? Why did he say that? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Um, and meantime, I'm finding it very interesting to talk to him about how he's coping individually, but also how he's continuing to manage a team of people to make Keep them,
0: their morale Keep on. their
1: morale, want to stay fit. Um, and I think one of the, look, you talked about structure. One of the, one of the things that everybody who loves football loves is you've always got something clear to look forward to. You've got the next match, you've got the next cup run, you've got the next transfer window, you've got the next pre-season tour. Are you
0: talking about fans here or people in both. football? Both, both. Yeah.
1: Whereas now they've got literally, they've got a vague expectation that it might come back what i is, also so. think
0: the thing that the to add on to that is the fact that it's all people talk about
1: most of the time
0: so you've lost the thing it's like if that's how i feel about gossip i really mm. miss gossip like interesting things that are happening that i can bitch about mm, i don't you don't have that main thing that's no. your point of reference when you meet people that's the thing that you talk well, about what,
1: sometimes i i you know the other thing is really weird like if, if i'm I've been separated apart from the government briefings which do my head in i don't watch any telly or listen to the radio during the day at all i don't do any of that netflix stuff with that i'll be up here i'll be working writing thinking talking whatever but then i'll go and watch the government briefing and then i'll slump down in front of the sofa and i'll think i'll just watch a bit of telly and by default because i've always done it for years i just go to sky sports right and i see what's on and I've got to say, I've started to watch a little bit of Sky Sports News just to see how they managed to fill the space. What are they talking about? They're talking about different things that the clubs are saying. They're talking about, like, oh, I'll tell you another great thing that's happened. You know that boy Callum up in Scotland who does this football podcast, right? It's a young guy, a teacher. He's got his own football podcast, and he asked me to go on it. Why What's about?
0: the podcast called again, just so we can shout that out? Because he's really uh, CFB. sweet. CFB. Um, yeah. CFB? Yeah. Is that right?
1: And... But it's basically, he's, he's, he's obsessed with Scottish football and, you know. So, so are you. So he asked me to go on the podcast to talk about the novel that I wrote with Fletch because there's a lot of Scottish football in it. Anyway, perfectly enjoyable, went out fine. He said he was very happy with it. But I said to him, if, I can get, if there's any help I can give you with the people I know to get them on, there's there be you really like? He so I'd love to get Joey Barton. So I asked Joey Barton if you'd do it. And he said, yeah, I'll do it. You know, Joey loves talking. Joey loves that. And and so he did it. So the next thing I knew about it was Callum doing a tweet saying, can't believe it, what a day, just spent six hours talking on Zoom to Joey Barton, right? <laughs> he's put it out in six parts, and what he's said about Rangers has made news right around the world. Which is what? Just about him slagging off the people. Oh, God, yeah, Rangers. because
0: the thing I will say about Joe Barton, if we could have... He would have spoken to us for twelve more hours. Yeah, he's like gets fixated into a conversation. You could tell when we were interviewing him that he had his sort of assistant manager yeah. next to him, yeah. who was just so used to the fact that Joey says, "Yeah, I'm just five more minutes," and then he'd be like, "Let's just do another hour." It was three. Our one was three hours long. Yeah. I'd cut that down so much because he just had hasn't really got that sense of time. He is interesting. No, hundred percent, but he but he sort of. No,
1: he said he's, he had, he's got no sense of time. He's
0: got, he did say that he's got no sense of time and he was, didn't really have this need that he had somewhere to be when his players were warming up. <laughs> Out of the window where we are interviewing, we could see the players warming up. He should have been down there with them, but he just, he just sort well, of... Well, Listen,
1: how crazy is this? So, like, today... I'd written this piece yesterday for the record that you took the picture for about playing the pipes at the funeral. And in the record... They they ran the whole transcript of the of the podcast about Rangers. The whole thing.
0: The whole of Joey's the, the, with the, the, this bit, boy. the
1: bit about Rangers, yeah. And it was front page and back page. And the story that was that I picked up today was also in the paper, and then I, it was on I did an interview with Radio Clyde and I heard it on their news as well. Rod Stewart phoning up to attack Joey Barton for what he said about a Celtic. <laughs> So Callum is sitting there, and he said, "He said at one point yesterday, is there such thing as trending podcasts?'"
0: Yeah, 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 right. yeah. But well,
1: his podcast was trending in fourteen countries in the world.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, so. Oh my god, that's so good, though. As well, it's great for him. I bet he's over the moon. Oh yeah. Um, so can we talk about? Because we've done a bit of feminism, done a bit of football. I'd actually quite like to talk about sort of live events in general and how you think or how we think, because obviously. You've lost football. I've lost the thing that's like my football, which is. Listen, I've also lost public speaking. Yeah, I ain't gonna be broke. What fucking income, mate. Oh god, god, god what no you fridge. Do? You to get your own fridge. I've got my own fridge. It's actually really full at the moment. That's because my boyfriend uh, pays for everything. Um, I'm very mean. I, know so you. I am. You're a bit tight, actually. I just like people spoiling me. Yeah, but I think it's, it's I think being I like. tight is a horrible thing. I'm not tight. Like I, I, I'm not tight. You are quite tight. You, you and Mum will be the only people in the world that will describe me as tight. None of my friends. I'm, I'm so generous, but I like the feeling that people are spending money on me.
1: But like Rory and Callum, <clears throat> they, they give money. They give.
0: Well,
1: they buy. For... Do you need?
0: Do you need money? If you need money, I can help you out. <laughs> just let me know. Do you need? Are you I don't mean sort of signalling me. I mean, like, that you are. I mean, like you needing know, money. Right the, now? I, mean, I have noticed the paint around the house is sort of tumbled down. I think.
1: My, my, you know, Mum's got this crazy idea we're going to. Yeah, she said this together. weekend you're going to paint chance. the bathroom together. Not a chance.
0: Um, but so let's talk. So I have felt, you know, you say you don't think football as it was will be the same for a long time. I think comedy will come even after that. I really think like live, those kinds of, because at least football is outside, like football stadiums are outside. Comedy is people laughing with their mouths open in very small dingy rooms. It's sort of a great way to spread germs. And it it has made me feel really, really sad because I felt like I finally got in the flow of Mm. everything and I was really starting to find my feet. No, the last gig you
1: did I saw was brilliant.
0: Yeah, and I just feel... Definitely improving how how do you think we will adapt from that and it's the same with you and public speaking like how do you do you buy like the idea of having like comedy nights on zoom and... yeah
1: some of that i think people will i mean look, i think some of the stuff that you've seen already i mean john clee's charging 250 quid to insult people online that's comedy what yeah
0: no yeah wait did, did you pay him 250 no he quid? did it for nothing and then did he start off of that? Or? No,
1: no, no, he's already doing it. But he, did, he probably did it to me because... Is he p- pocketing that money himself? I hope so, because he, he, he's, he's always going to be harder because his wife took all his fortune.
0: Why? I don't know Oh, this.
1: messy divorce. But no, that, made, that was one of the best things of the lockdown was when I was out playing my bagpipes and he did a tweet saying this is a really good way to pe- keep people inside their houses. I mean, that
0: was amazing. <laughs> and then he said, "Alistair, you're one of my favourite Scottish gits. <laughs> but haggis on you when this is all over. I mean, that's epic. That was epic you yeah. love him I so love much.
1: Him. I love him. I love him. I love Michael Palin. I love them all. But He's I think a real that, hero. so. I think comedy. You see, you could imagine. I could imagine doing a so like that last venue you were in. Where was it? Brighton. Brighton. I went yeah. To, right. So that was probably too small for this. But if you got a slightly bigger venue, yeah, and you actually made people sit five yards apart and made and, yeah. and made big made comedy out of the whole thing.
0: But I think that... I've not
1: seen any very good comedy about the coronavirus, which makes me people... Maybe people just think it's too early, but...
0: I think people... I think definitely people think it's too early, and there are jokes that people don't want to say right now. I think, obviously, the Edinburgh Fringe was cancelled this year. When it comes back next year, if it does, everyone's shows are going to be about corona. I think it will actually get a bit boring. I think Mm. think so many people will be writing books and making films about this period that... I sort of feel like once it's done, I don't really want to think about it that much because it's going to have been such a sort of traumatic, enduring mm. uh, period of time. I don't, want to, I don't want to really make loads of comedy about it. But I do think making light out of what's going on is really important. And I think social media is amazing for that. But I also, well, I you, the, it, it's the, not the, the same as being in a live.
1: The two people who send the most memes, gifts, funny videos by a mile in my... Phone thing are Frank Warren and Root Hullett.
0: Who? Who was the second one?
1: Root Hullett, Dutch footballer, former Chelsea manager. They are both on it all the time. I
0: mean, I'm not joking. This is just anyone who uh, isn't on WhatsApp with my dad. All he does is send me like very random memes, sometimes quite sexist ones that like they're like making jokes out of. Women being at home and supposed to being in the kitchen. No. Yeah, that wives school one was. Oh, wives like,
1: school, well, that was funny.
0: It was funny. And what I'm saying is just like, I always, when you send me these memes, I'm like, where have you gotten these from? Well, that like, was I don't really warren. understand where you, these have come from. It's because you're just forwarding things on WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: well, that's, but that's been an interesting phenomenon.
0: 100%. I mean, 100%. That, but that's comedy. Hundred percent. So you
1: talk about comedy adapting; that's comedy. No,
0: hundred percent. That is
1: people saying to each other, "This is funny." You have it. I can't go and watch this, somebody perform this. Have it. Yeah. And some of the look, some of the stuff that's shared is absolute crap, but then you don't share it.
0: There's this amazing guy called Leslie Jordan. I don't know; you probably don't know him, but he's this American, gay actor from like the Deep South in America. He's from uh, Tennessee. Um, he's the funniest guy, and he's been posting videos every day, and they all start with. Well, shit, what are y'all doing? And then he goes, I'm bored shitless. And he's just like constantly commentating on how fucking bored he is. And he's like, I bet y'all are like, all out there screwing and I'm just here sin. I'm bored. Like, I think there have been people who have really come out the woodworks of like really keeping us entertained and keeping us sort of light and connected with other people. Like, that's the thing I feel is, um, <clears throat> I have found. How many weeks have we been clapping for the NHS now? For? Yeah. That was the fourth one. Mm. Every week, Mm. it's more and more people Mm. out on our street. Mm. I think there'll be two reasons for that. Obviously, weather's getting nicer. People are becoming even more grateful for the NHS. Um, I'm sure a lot of them coming out actually voted Tory uh, in the last general election. So I I do think a lot of them are hypocrites. Um, But I will say... I think they're coming out for the NHS, but I also think they're coming out because you're playing the bagpipes. It's mm. become a real thing in our neighbourhood now. Mm. I bumped into some of our neighbours um, when I was walking to the shops earlier and um, I won't say their names, but they've requested a song that they want you to play next week and it's becoming this real thing. You know, I've, every got, week I've, I've, had, reque- I've had requests
1: through social media. I've been learning new tunes because of that. But, um, no, and that's actually that's happening all over, I mean, obviously mainly in Scotland. But I know Ian McNichol, who used to work at the Labour Party, he's done it uh, down where he lives, I think Does he play the Yeah, he's a really good player. Not as good as me, but he's good.
0: Right, uh, Ian, if you're listening. Yeah, we, a we, a we,
1: once, we once had a competition and he actually got... He, he, he won in a vote, but that was because oh, he was a general good. secretary and I was, I was I'd re, I'd retired by then. Right. But then the other thing going on, of course, is because, if you remember, the first one... And actually it was dark, do you remember that? Yeah, I know.
0: It now dark. It's, like now light. it's like night. it's like night. It's like, you know...
1: And so, just for people who don't know, our next-door neighbour, the Bridge family, and there's a picture over there of you and Tony Blair and Sissy when you were, what,
0: three, two, three? No, but about five or six. OK.
1: Yeah. Um, outside number ten. Oh, yeah, it couldn't be three because that was... A... So, and Sissy's are now a nurse at the Whittington Hospital. And when the first one happened, her mum and her sister, who both been absolutely frantic about this whole PPE thing and whether they're getting properly protected and so forth, so that was when, you remember, we said, why don't we go and play the pipes for that? And then Sissy was arriving home during the clap. And you said, why don't you go and surprise her and go down the bottom of the street? So with we her escorted
0: club. her home with the pipes. And
1: it went round the world, that. It was massive. Yeah. And then, then I wrote that tune, uh, Our Neighbours, Our Nurses. And, yeah, I think you're right. I think, But, uh, listen, I think music... I've written about this on my website today. I think new music, in times of... Tough times, times of crisis. You know, why do people have music at funerals? Why do they have music at weddings? Because it's, it's important in big moments. Yeah, but
0: also, I mean, 100%, but also music has, like, well, I think it's one of the only things maybe you could liken it to sport, but it has such a power to make people feel better mm. about themselves. Or worse. About life. Or worse, obviously. But music, I, I've i been listening to so much music during this period because, firstly, I've gotten so bored of watching Stuff mm. and just being just watching stuff, and I think having a bit of variety, listening to podcasts. I've definitely
1: been watching, listening to more music. I've, I've, I've way. L- yeah, well, l- I
0: came in the other day, and you were just uh, lying on the sofa with your phone speaker, so not very high quality, listening to um Greatest Hits by Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift's Greatest Hits, like <laughs> you were like a teenage girl pining over a boy who just broke up with you. <laughs> Listening to Taylor Swift. I like Taylor Swift. I've also ballads. been
1: listening. I've I've been going through the whole of Motown. Uh, I have a little bit of Jack, Bell and Elvis every single day, even if it's only one song. Um, and a lot about a lot of Scottish stuff.
0: Good. I've been listening to lots of reggae, lots mm. of chronic. I've done a bit of Bob. But yeah, you you listen to Bob. But I've been listening to lots of new lots of new music. My boyfriend who. Um, I'm quarantining with is obsessed with, with music so all he mm. does is play new music that's coming out so that's actually been nice to have a bit of variety but I think it's very important but I also think it's important to listen to the podcast so we're going to be bringing out probably two a week aren't we? Are we? Well I think so I think this is so easy we can at least do one of these a week of just me and you mm-hmm. telling funny stories Should I
1: play my um my sissy tune on the practice chanter? Yeah on your practice Yeah this isn't the real pipes this is a practice chanter
0: This is just a practice or what, Is that necessary? No I wish you'd let me learn. This is a great. It's a great uh, shame in my life that my dad thinks I wouldn't be a good bagpipe. I don't player. think that. I don't think you'd have the patience with me. No, but I'm not saying you should teach me. But I'd love to learn. Well, you go and find a teacher then. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I will. Thanks. I'll just put out a feeler on this podcast. If you're a bagpipe teacher <laughs> I'll in teach Northwest you. If London, i
1: teach you. the bagpipes. I'll teach you. Why don't we do a podcast next week when I try and I teach think I'd be. Chander.
0: I think I'd really like it because I love the sound of the bagpipes.
1: Yeah, it's, you've only ever
0: heard it played well. I have only no. You were bad when you when you started properly doing it. Oh bullshit! I played it was sick. I know, but when you started properly going for it, you've gotten so much better. Oh, get on. Truly, I'm. I, I. Do you know how many films I've videoed of you playing the bagpipes? I am a <laughs> trained observer of your skill at playing the bagpipes. All I fucking do at the moment is film you playing the bagpipes. You're so good now, like pitch perfect. You, you definitely feel, weren't before. You
1: film my trees as well
0: film you trees, trees you yeah the tree thing um the tree thing is getting out of hand my tree thing yeah it's Always. like it's like what you think about me and yoga like your obsession with trees
1: no but i'm i am absolutely deadly serious you laugh every time i say this i am going to organize the tree olympics every country in the world is going to have major television events to pick its favorite tree it's gonna be like miss world and but, then...
0: And can you... Excuse me, sorry. And then we're going to have you, a
1: judging panel, of which I'll be on. i can chairman. you
0: describe the trees in the same way you describe Miss Paraguay? When you do the Tree Olympics, can you please sort of say, it looked at me in a sultry... No, but yet, I'd say... inquisitive no, manner. No, because it it's, wouldn't be true. Its roots were so deep and invested in the, in the earth. A nice arse.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be afraid of that. Just
0: so I could see its soul.
1: I can see... I could definitely say that tree i did a thing the other day right i did a tweet and i I did a picture of this tree that looked like it was really fed up with life and i said new category in the tree olympics trees that are really pissed off with look look like they're really pissed off with lockdown i got a hundred sent in and some of them were amazing
0: no they have real characters a bit like clouds you know when you see stuff in clouds yeah, but I know it is, but I'm saying tree, they do have real characters. But the thing I keep saying when my dad is pitching the Tree Olympics, Tree Eurovision, whatever the world world vision, <laughs> is trees don't speak. So That's where you're wrong. If, you're but scene, why if didn't, you're, why didn't you read the Why don't you adapt it? They don't speak to why, why us. Why don't you get comedians? Speak to each other. Why don't other? you get comedians of the countries? So, the best comedians become the voice of the tree. No, So, you've you're got taking a talking a tree. No, I'm not. It's a
1: serious issue, not bloody. But
0: I'm saying you kind of you need to add a bit of character to the trees so they can speak back at you. They speak to each other. Yeah, but you, for. for That's def- all we're going to have
1: team, doubles, mixed doubles. <laughs>
0: what you know that? Relay. I'm telling you. Got relay. You don't believe me. Um,
1: Yesterday, yesterday's category was self isolating trees. It was one of these great pictures of the trees all on their own
0: aww makes me sad
1: now listen I've had enough of this can we go now yeah
0: I love it Okay, thanks for listening everyone we'll be back very soon god that was an hour long say goodbye bye bye everybody bye bye imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time